Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and a happy 2019 to all of you who are listening. We are glad that you have joined us this morning as we kick off our newly rebooted podcast, The Voice of the Valley. Uh, Over the last year, we have had numerous people asking about the podcast, uh, what happened to the recordings, when we were going to record again, if we would record again. Uh, And that feedback was encouraging to us because it meant that you uh, were listening and benefiting from our podcast. So as we begin this new year, we thought it'd be a great time to start fresh with the Voice of the Valley. Uh, We have a new schedule. We have new topics to discuss. We have new guests, which I'm excited about. Uh, We will be talking to missionaries, we'll be talking to local affiliates, we'll be talking to other churches, Uh, we'll be talking to our own elders, to our own pastors and lay people. So we are excited to get this uh, podcast up and running once again. So this morning, I have two of our very special guests, two of our own pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Rick. Thanks, guys, for joining us this morning. Greetings. Greetings. Pleasure. <laughs> this is the two best pastors we have at this church. Yeah. This is the A game yeah. and the B game. Yeah, it, it, it really is. <laughs> we won't say which is which, but... but one of us is the backup. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about uh, New Year's resolutions and whenever, whenever the new year comes around, that does mean new resolutions, uh, whether that means eating healthier, exercising more, uh, watching less TV, etc. cetera. Uh, so what are some goals that you guys have set for yourself for 2019? I'll start with you, John. Well, um, I've never really been a big New Year's resolution guy. I tried that for a while and could never follow through, and I got tired of um, failing. And so I figured the best way not to fail is just don't have New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really <clears throat> honestly don't have uh, really uh, formal New Year's resolutions. I, I, I think about those kind of things at the New Year, I think like most people do, but I don't really write down uh, necessarily my goals for the next year um and it is honestly because i just i i i don't like not following through on things and so i i don't do that but i do uh have some ideas about what we ought to be thinking about this time of year are you interested in hearing those yeah okay yeah um for me i like to read the bible through or at least portions of the bible through every year. I've done different things throughout my spiritual life and uh, like, you know, the one-year Bible reading plan or what I'm going to try to do this coming year uh, or this 2019 is to read through the New Testament twice uh, and the Psalms uh, once. But uh, I like to have uh, Bible reading as part of my um, plan for the year. And like I said, I've done different things. Like I've I've read the book of Colossians once every day for 30 days or uh, one of the shorter epistles, you know, once a day, the whole thing. 
uh, every day for 30, 30 days and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm kind of um, ADD when it comes to this kind of thing, so I need, I need change. And it's hard for me to get through an entire Bible year reading plan. And so I, I you know, I accommodate that, my, my distraction by having things ready. But my, my goal here is to have uh, read through the New Testament twice in 2019 and through the Psalms once. Um, I also like to uh, think about reading books. I want to have a, you know, some books read. I have a list of books that I want to read through, theological books and secular books. Reading through secular books actually is relatively new for me. I've never been a big fan of of um, secular book reading simply because of my interests in uh, doctrine and theology and my vocation being pastor. Um, I've been interested in and, and th- thought it's been necessary to focus on theological doctrinal reading. And so I've done that joyfully over the past you know years. But just in the past couple of years, I've, I've wanted to add um, secular books classics that um, people from time to time, even in theological works, refer to. And I have not read those things. I know generally what they're about because, you know, I've been alive. But I, like, I want to read them. I want to read um, classics. And so I've been beginning to pick those off and, and read through them, and I've enjoyed that. And I think I'm grown from it. Another uh, thing here is uh, a spiritual endeavor and that is I want to share Christ share Christ more uh, so I, I put my, my myself in places that that can happen like I go to the jail and I, I preach at the jail weekly and every week I get to share Christ with those guys and see the Holy Spirit do his work I want to share Christ more with my unsaved friends that I have and and be intentional about that, whether it be you know through face-to-face conversation or a card uh, written to them or an email or you know giving away copy of the Gospel of John to you know people I've known for a long time as a Christmas gift or something like that, and then <clears throat> to love people more that are in my life, my wife, my small group, you know broader church family, to practically love them more. Um, and that, that's, you know, kind of vague and subjective, but um, I know what that means in my life, you know, because I, I uh, know myself and to love my wife and the people in our small group more and our broader church more or our, our neighbors more means something to me. And so I, I want to do that. And I suppose if the, if the goal is going to be of any value, I'll need to set, you know, benchmarks and standards like, you know, like we're told that we need to do. Uh, and then, of course, pray more. I want to. I want to be a better, uh, a better praying person. So, those, you know, to keep it relatively short, are the things that I'm thinking about going into this coming year. It's quite the list. Well, you asked me to come with a list, <laughs> so there it is. I'm curious. What are um, what are some of the classics that you're that you've either picked up that have been beneficial or planning to? Well, I I want to read Julius Caesar. I, mm. I just finished East of Eden by Steinbeck, and I enjoyed that. Um, he's an amazing writer. Steinbeck is. In fact, you the problem with reading some of these guys like Steinbeck is he's so um, 
flamboyant in his style that, you know, you go back to some of my theological works, it's like, what in the world? These guys are dentists, <laughs> not authors. <laughs> but so uh, I, I've, I've got those. Uh, uh, I've got a few others that are classics that I want to read. I, I've, I've, I think I read White Fang um, by Jack London a while, long time ago. I cannot remember the story real clearly, so I want to reread that this year. Sure. I've read a lot of John Muir's stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy his nature work. Uh, the Alaskan Odyssey is that kind of work, not by Muir, but uh, I enjoy that. I just got through finishing... Um, uh, the Island of the Lost a couple days ago, and it's a story of, I think I mentioned this in my sermon, the story of a, a shipwrecked crew in the um, uh, islands in the territory of New Zealand, south of New Zealand, near the Antarctic, and it's just a, a story of human survival and ingenuity, and that's really interesting to me, mm. so cool. it's fun, yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Rick? What uh, what are some goals that you've set for yourself for 2019? Um, you know, I'm glad you had asked that question because I've always kind of taken the approach that John does and um, maybe to just heist a title from Tim Chaley's um, Do More Better. That's usually been yeah. my approach to it. Like, you know, we're in Christ, and so there's no option of just sitting back at some point during the year and not seeking to grow and improve and be more like Christ. And so I've always kind of seen New Year's resolutions as being odd in that sense of this is what we're always supposed to do. But the New Year does afford kind of a a natural reset in our rhythm to focus on things that um, we know we should be doing. But um, maybe just because we always are aware of it, we don't give the vigor to it that we should. So something for me um, that I'm trying to work on with my wife is just to get to bed at a at a more reasonable hour um i still you know i still get up in the mornings and have time with the lord but um i could get up earlier and usually it's due to a lack of not going to bed um, at a good time and that's just a leftover from college so just years and years and years of a habit that i just never kicked um and so i'd like to start getting up 20 minutes earlier each day and spending um, 20 minutes reading uh, something by J.C. Ryle. Um, Banner of Truth going through the Christmas season has or had an awesome uh, sale on Ryle's works. And so just being able to plug away at books like Old Paths and looking at this, you know, this stalwart man of the faith in 19th century England talk about what um, vital Christian faith looks like is is very edifying. I want to spend time each morning just doing that and then um, spending the last 20 minutes of each night before going to bed reading through some good uh, Christian biography. Um, I'd like to work through uh, a two-volume book on the Scottish Puritans. Um, And something that John said that's also true for me is I'd like to be more practiced in... um, praying without ceasing. And for me, I find that that really is going to come down to, or it does come down to having just some goals each day at different hours, you know, this very ancient practice of praying the hours. And that doesn't need to be long, but I just like to have these set reminders at nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, just to spend a few minutes um, getting back to Christ in his presence. Cause I think that that's um, vital for actually praying the way that that Paul and the New Testament authors envision 
um, a life of prayer. So Paul is able to say, I mention you always before the Father. And just having that spirit of living in the presence of God, or what the Reformers referred to by the Latin phrase, Coram Deo, um, that's probably my greatest goal. And then just as a family, we've been talking about as our circumstances change and the kids are getting a little older, having a more regular schedule of having people over. So those are, those are some of our chief goals and some of mine. Hmm. You know, I think um, that idea you have of reading Ryle is a good one. Um, I've gone through different seasons in my life of becoming familiar with a particular author, and that's very helpful. You know, you know his, by the time you're done with this year, 2019, you'll know Ryle. Yeah. And you'll, you'll, you'll know how he would respond to a question of, of Christian life, and, and uh, that's helpful, especially, you know, because he's, a, he's an established man of faith. He's, He's a like you said a stalwart in the the faith and and we should know these guys we yes. should like I, I did that with Tozer I, I read mm-hmm. all of Tozer's work one year all of his all of his stuff and it was so helpful I know A W Tozer and I I did the same with um, Spurgeon's sermons I, I I used his sermons for a year as a devotional um, and so these kind of things are are I think valuable. Find somebody that that you admire, that you respect theologically, and you know, dig into their heart. And these guys are mentors to us, even though they're gone. Yeah. You know, one of the one, one of my biggest concerns when I was younger was not having a, a spiritual guide, a personal mentor in ministry, like so many guys talk about. You know, well, R.C. Sproul was my mentor, and like, who can have R.C. Sproul as a mentor? <laughs> I mean, who, right. who? What normal person? Can have Ligon Duncan as their mentor, um, so and I, I I complained about that to a friend once, um, and he said, "Well, we have everybody can be our mentor, and they, you you have all their writings. That's how they would mentor you. That's what's important to them." So I took that as an encouragement and started reading individual men and reading all their stuff, so that not, right now I can say Thomas Watson's my mentor. Hmm. You know and. I think that's legit. I think that's, he wouldn't say anything different to me than he's already written. Right. About anything. And so Thomas Watson is my mentor. Who's your mentor? Thomas Watson's my mentor. John Owen has mentored me. Um, you know, so. That's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, the, I could, the reason I landed on Ryle was just because as we've been teaching um, our middle and high school students through the Gospel of John, you know, I've read a number of commentaries on John, but Ryle's three-volume commentary is just, there's a spiritual, I mean, the guys we read are have tremendous spiritual depth, but Ryle's words are so poignant, I thought. Yeah. You know, that's just a little exposure to Ryle so far has been, um, has just made me want more of that because it's just so spiritually nourishing. And so, yeah, yeah that's good counsel, John. Thank you. So you guys, uh, as you were discussing your goals for this uh, next year, uh, we're focused a lot on how you guys can grow spiritually, uh, whether that be reading more, whether that be praying more, loving the body more. Um, so in a very real sense, uh, would you say that the most important goal to set for yourself for 2019 would be knowing Christ? Sure. I mean, that's, it's, it's not, it's, and it's not my opinion. It's a commandment of Scripture. Yeah. You know, um, Jesus said the greatest commandment is. He didn't say, hey, it might be a good idea if you 
No, he, he <laughs> told us what the great commandment is. Um, you know, it's, it's mentioned by, I think, almost every biblical author. We are to know Christ, know God in Christ. Um, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's all over Scripture. You can't not do that and be a faithful Christian. So, for sure, to know Christ and to make him known. You know, that's what Paul said in Philippians 3. He goes, you know, I, I, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, the Apostle Paul, the, the guy who actually met with Christ, died wanting to know him more. So, yeah. When you think about the language that Paul uses in that chapter, in Philippians 3, he's talking about all of the stuff that he has to his credit, right? All of his, his pedagogy, his pedigree, and, and all of his qualifications that made him a preeminent Pharisee. And then he, and then he says, because you, know, you, know, you think about the fact that if you ask 10 people, what is the most important thing? fill in the blank. You get 10 different answers. And we're in a culture that says you can't tell anybody that any one thing is more important than somebody else's thing because that's a, a cultural taboo. And yet Paul says, you know, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. And so for Paul, he's putting that right there at the top and saying everything serves this. And so for the Christian, what other option is there really you know, and think about all the other types of New Year's resolutions people make, um, and, and that we should make, you know, eating better, exercising, spending more time with our families. To what end? And Paul would say, and God is saying through Paul, to this end, know Christ in all of it. So thinking of the different uh, people in the church, we got new believers, we got established believers in the faith, um, is there is there a four step plan um, in which we could achieve this goal? Maybe for somebody who's new in the faith, what would you say? Hey, you need to know Christ better. What would you say? Here's a here's a plan for you to do that. Well, once you go to seminary, Jeremy, you'll learn that there's only three step <laughs> plans. Those are the only inspired outlines of scripture and plans for the Christian growth. So <laughs> Yeah, so the three yeah. stand they change every week. But yeah. it's all yeah. the same three yeah. step so plan. Just go to the sermon. Once, once and you you'll graduate from seminary we can ask that question again. But um, <laughs> Oh and they're all the plans are alliterated by exactly. the way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> you know, is there a four step plan? How I, I would say there's not there may be steps to any plan. Um, Four steps, not holy. Three steps, not holy, uh, or sacred, I should say. Uh, but there is a plan um, to achieve that goal. And I, you know, Martin Luther, I think he was onto something when he said, um, "Preach the gospel to yourself every day." Um, if you will do that, it will keep you focused on what's important, um, because the gospel is clarifying in terms of what life should be about um, um, who God is, who we are, and uh, the, the gospel really prioritizes any conscientious, any conscientious Christian's life. Um, and so if we will rehearse the gospel daily, and I mean thoroughly, reminding ourselves of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, and the solution of Christ 
and my need to respond to Christ, um, not just initially at the point of conversion, but daily respond to Christ, uh, it will change how you live and how you think and what your goals are. And so I, I'd say it's, it's a one-step plan, and that is rehearse the gospel. If you want to break that down, you can get four, you know, four steps out of it. You know, God is holy, man is sinful, Jesus is the answer, and, and the necessity <laughs> to respond to him, those four things. I guess you're onto something there, but... Um, I got something right today. You yeah. walked into the four... Yeah, yeah you walked into that. Man. You the got your spiritual laws going. right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking through that question and came to the same conclusion John did, and we did not talk to each other before this. Um, we never talk to each other. At it's all. really weird. <laughs> In fact, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> But I came to this, you know, I was thinking about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, and it came up in terms of the one-step plan, which is just another way of saying rehearse the gospel. And, you know, Paul says, the Lord's the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so all of those things that we talk about, knowing Christ, growing into his likeness, loving others, anything else that serves that purpose, which is to say anything that actually is legitimate for the Christian, is going to happen by gazing on Christ and his glory. And where is that glory held out to us chiefly? It's through the gospel communicated to us in scripture, which, as John Piper says, is God himself. And if we understand that to be the one step to this plan, then we could also say that there's many steps to that plan, which are called the means of grace. And that is God's practical daily commands to us to enjoy him in fellowship with the saints, in daily prayer, in service, in the observance of the Lord's Supper. And those means of grace, if we actually take them seriously, are God's plan to change us and to draw us close to him in actual relational intimacy and having communion with him. Now, all of that depends on whether someone has actually taken the one step to enter into that plan, which is to actually know Christ in a saving way. And there may be people who are listening, probably are, um, who, who can't actually say that they know Christ personally, which also, once again, that doesn't change the plan. It just means they need to enter into that plan for the first time and actually know Christ through trusting that he and he alone is their savior, that they have sinned, like John said, before a holy God. And even right now as they're listening, that, that's a step they can take by throwing themselves wholly on God's mercy through Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that, you know, the, the problem with uh, complicating plans, you know, four or five steps with three or four subpoints in each step, is that it, it increases the probability of failure. And so if we can simplify you know, the Christian life, if we can simplify the, 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 the call of, of the Christian, it is the gospel. I mean, the, the gospel as reflected in scripture. Um, the, the gospel is simple enough for the youngest of our children to, to understand. And um, so I think that that Rick is right. I think we need to um, just make that our primary emphasis, focus, reminder. It'd be simple to put on a three by five card and tape it to your desk or to your 
you know, bathroom mirror, whatever, just to remind yourself of these simple things. You know, John, when you brought up that, that idea that the gospel is simple, simple enough for our children to understand, I think of Mark Jones's book, Knowing Christ. And he brings up that point numerous times throughout that book is these truths about Christ are simple enough for children to understand, but complex enough to keep theologians asking questions for eternity. So there's never an end point, as you guys are saying, of knowing Christ. We have to continually rehearse the gospel to ourselves. On yeah, the greatest basis. theologian that ever lived is Paul, yeah. and he died wanting to know more of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think, of, I think of Hebrews 12 as it follows, you know, the great hall of faith of Hebrews 11. And the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance to race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we look at that passage, uh, can our personal goals uh, for 2019 become a weight or a sin that hinders our walk with Christ? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, Rick, jump in here at any time, but um, I, I think that it's, it's written the way it is, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, because that's the fact. Weight and sin, there's a distinction there. So some of our weights aren't sinful, but they're still weights, right? So we can take good things uh, as uh, humans and um, put undue emphasis or focus on them and cause those things to drag us down, which weights do. Um, they, they are not sin, but they still have the effect of sin on our pursuit of Christ. And so, yeah, good things. You know, I wrote down fitness goals. Who doesn't want to be fit? It's a good thing. It's probably um, a godly thing to be fit. And yet, we know that fitness for some can be such a, uh, a focus that it draws them away from Christ. Now, fitness isn't a sin, but it's certainly a weight. It can become a sin, especially if it becomes an idol. It's the same with anything, education goals, whether formal or informal, social goals, family goals. Who doesn't think they ought to spend more time with their family? That's a good, you know, New Year's resolution. And yet even that can become a weight. Um, you know, if you take Jesus seriously in, in uh, Luke 14, it is a weight, and it needs to be carefully managed. So, yeah, the... It is for sure that personal goals, even good ones, can become um, an, uh, a roadblock or impede our spiritual development and life with Christ and His church. You, know, you think about, let's just take, you know, assuming that for the Christian, 
all legitimate things are for the purpose of, of serving the goal of knowing Christ. And it's easy to get kind of pietistic and, and sit there and go, okay, well, that doesn't include, you know, uh, the time I spend watching a show with my wife at, at the end of the day, or, or it doesn't include uh, a, a round of golf with a friend, um, or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, all things included in serving this purpose of knowing Christ, we can take even those things and say that they have a purpose. Um, but when those means of knowing Christ and, and of bringing glory to God and doing life along the grain of the rhythm that he has set um, to have rest and then to work hard, to spend time with our family, to, to whatever the case may be, when those means become so rigid for us that they become the goal, my goal is to get to the end of the day to do X. Or if I don't have my morning coffee, then we're going to have a problem. Then we can sit there and go, okay, something that's legitimate has become a hindrance. And it doesn't necessarily mean it has to go away completely, but we do need to seriously revisit it and ask, what was something that is there to serve the purpose of enhancing my life and my walk with Christ now becoming a stumbling block to it? Um, and for a guy like me, who is type A, who has plans in place, um, this can be a real problem. Um, I can mess up a perfectly good day because something didn't go according to my plan. Mm. And if I go off to work because the coffee machine broke and I am just a grump, then we've got a weight mm. and that has become an occasion of sin for me. And so we have to realize that it's, it's super easy to, to take even God's good gifts and hold them so tightly. And you know, something I tell my kids often, and I actually need to tell myself more, is that the right thing for the wrong reason is the wrong thing. And that's, that's a good litmus test for us in our spiritual lives. So how do you know, how do you know that uh, something has become a weight or a hindrance towards your walk with Christ? Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes you don't until you're neck deep in it. Hmm. Um, but it's, you know, I think if we're going to be serious, <clears throat> we're going to do our best as Christians to stay alert, as Peter said, you know, be alert, watching out for the enemy who's going to try to, you know, trip you up at every opportunity, including with good things, um, these things that can become weights. Um, so how do we know that something's become a weight or a hindrance towards our walk with Christ? Um, does it assume the, the primary position in your heart? If it does, it's a weight, maybe even a sin. And it could, I think, the weights can become sins pretty easily. And so <clears throat> does it assume the primary position in your heart? And if it does, then the Bible calls that an idol. Um, it becomes our identity. I, I am really committed to this new diet, and I'm really liking what it does for me and I, how I feel because of it, and pretty soon that diet becomes your primary focus or that fitness regimen or that book list or that friendship. Um, what, what is it that would depress you if you lost it? Uh, whatever would crush your spirit or crumble your world, if you lost it, is an, idol is an idol. It's idolatry. Even good things. And, and usually, 
and I think this needs to be said, even though it's so obvious, things that we don't like don't become our idols. It's usually good things that become our idols. So we don't have to worry about idolizing uh, certain things that are not good. I mean, I suppose that's something we need to think about, but most likely the things that, that trip us up are the good things, the that become weights, and when weights become idols, they become sin and a distraction from Christ. So, yeah. I think you're, and you're hitting on contentment. You're yeah. talking about contentment in, in Christ, contentment in God, to the point where the things that we would like to have, if they aren't there, we're not going to respond in a sinful way. You know, in, so we've talked about Philippians because that kind of is is the book where Paul really delves into this subject of what is the most all-encompassing thing for us. What should be, you know, that Philippians three, knowing Christ, and then at the end he says um, in verse eleven of chapter four, "I'm not speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and." We, I look at that and I go, okay, I know that in myself that is impossible, and it is. And so he goes on in, in the next sentence to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So seeking Christ becomes the means by which the means of knowing Christ don't become idols, or we can repent of them becoming idols. And so to just boil it down to a, a simple and really practical question, am I willing to sin to get what I'm going for, or if I don't get it, am I going to sin because I didn't? And if I can, if I answer that question yes on either side, I have um, I have something that has become a sin. You know, I think I've been, when you were talking, Rick, I was thinking about the, you know, the monastic movement in the middle centuries, and it started out as a good thing. I mean, they yeah. they left the world with good intentions. But it became a bane of the church. Hmm. You know, and it, it, it was uh, something that, that, that was all in, for all intents and purposes to get to know Christ, to separate from the world, turned out to be not a good thing um, for the church or for those men who participated in it. Uh, just think of, of what took place back then. All the godly men left the church <laughs> for good reasons, but they 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 abandoned the church. And how th- did God think of that? Um, so even even this idea of contentment can become a problem, right? You know, <laughs> oh, I'm just so content. I have nothing, don't want it, I'm just content. And your contentment becomes a source of pride. Mm -hmm. Because of our sin, we can screw anything up, (laughs) including contentment. And how quickly could contentment become apathy? Exactly. we don't go after anything. Yeah, yeah. And we think it's holy. You know, I don't have anything, don't want anything, don't want anything. I'm content to be so holy, actually. Yeah, Um, yeah. I wish other people realized that. (laughs) Yeah, so... We've got to be alert. We've got to be alert. Yeah, it's so subtle. And, it is. You know, so we've got the devil prowling around like a roaring lion. And so Peter does say we need to be alert. But then we've got the world 
and the flesh in there too as our opponents. And of those three, um, I've become convinced that by far the most dangerous is the flesh. And that's the deceitfulness of our own heart that Jeremiah talks about. And, and the question becomes, how do we even, where do we even go with that? Okay, let's get back to Christ. Yeah. The well, wisdom James, of God. James identifies that in chapter one. You know, it's, where does the sin come from? Yeah. You know, it comes from your heart. You know, we, we, we don't, you know, we, we do need to pay attention to the other two, of course, because we're told to by Paul. Yeah. But James says, you know, at the front of that line is your own heart. Right. So. And in that chapter right before that, yeah. how does he say we move forward? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives freely. Yeah. So we've got Christ who is called the wisdom and the power of God. And in seeking him, we can, let's just ask him. Let's ask him to show us the way forward and to, to give us an awareness of those dynamics that we're not going to find out on our own. And, and yet it's not a mystery. Right. I mean, the, these things are not hidden in some secret spiritual vault someplace. They're, <laughs> they're on the pages of Scripture yep. for us. There's a good reason why we always pray for illumination before the scripture reading and the mm-hmm. sermon. Yep. And we should be in that practice in our own lives day and to day. It's, and it's the reason that we focus on the scriptures as we do here at Sun Valley. I mean, we, we're at least smart enough to know that we have no other answers. Yeah. So. And with an expositional approach going verse by verse, because I can, I can systematically avoid the things that make me uncomfortable. I'm pretty good at it. But when we preach and go through scripture... Each verse sequentially, we're going to get hit where we don't want to get hit, and God's going to say, "Because I love you, <laughs> we're going to we're going to address this." Yeah, which which actually is is a pretty good argument for uh, being offended, you know, by the preaching. Yeah, I know I am. No, I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> I usually offend myself, but, but no, it's it's if you're not offended, uh, John MacArthur said, "The preacher's not preaching." So yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, Sun Valley. We are grateful for Pastor John. We're grateful for Pastor Rick and the insight they have given us. Our prayer for this podcast is that you would see Christ more beautifully this 2019 year, that the goal would be to know him more and to make him more known around Yakima. So as you make resolutions, as you plan things for this year, we pray that Christ would be that top priority. If you have any questions regarding the podcast or you have a question that you would like answered, feel free to contact us at the church with that question, and we would gladly get to that in a future podcast. But for now, we wish you a very happy new year as you celebrate with your friends and family. And we look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week's podcast. Have a blessed day, Sun Valley Church.